Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in the studio at Crossway Church, and I'm just so glad that you've decided on this special moment to gather around God's Word with us today. This is our first Peter uh, Bible study. We're in chapter 3, so if you are able to, grab your Bibles, pencil, paper, grab what you need to take notes, and let's gather around God's holy word, and I promise you he's going to show you some great truths today in this Bible study. I want to remind you that if you're watching right now and it's live, you must be watching on the Crossway Church Queen City, Texas Facebook page, but not long after we do these Monday, Thursday, and Friday morning broadcasts, we upload them to the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. I encourage you to, to visit that YouTube channel and to like it and subscribe to it uh, because there you'll find just a, a massive amount of Bible teachings and worship services uh, and where... Uh, you will find a people gathered around the sacrifice of Christ that just single-minded, just longing to learn more about Jesus and, and what he's accomplished for us through means of his sacrificial righteous work at Calvary and what he's doing today in and through the lives of those that have their faith there. So I just, I'm, 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 I'm really, uh, the, the joy, the, the excitement, the, the encouragement, the all that we, we've been given through this great illumination of God's Word concerning the living Word and who He is, our Jesus, as the Lamb of God and what He did at Calvary. We came into this illumination some 18, 19 years ago, and I'm telling you, the fire of God burns brighter now in my heart concerning Jesus Christ and Him crucified than ever before. I don't have to want it to. I don't have to try to work it up. I'm telling you, that's where my faith is, and God continues to open the Word and pour the truth of His Word out in front of us and into our hearts so that He can guide us in it. We shouldn't be losing uh, our excitement and joy and great zeal uh, of, the, of what we've learned about the cross of Christ. It's endless in what we can know. It's endless in what we can learn and walk in. And so I'm thankful for all the good soldiers that are awakening under righteousness. I'm thankful for all the, 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 the church that is realizing the only place where we can be revived is at the cross. And and I'm just so blessed and honored to pastor a group of people here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas, and across the lands today. Uh, so many people look to this ministry and other ministries that are focused on the Word of God in its context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, its righteous context. And God continues to raise up men and women today to learn what it means to be becoming more determined to know absolutely nothing other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And it is quite a blessing. It is beyond a blessing. So today, here we are, 1 Peter chapter 3. This is part 5 of our uh, uh, 1 Peter teaching. So grab your Bibles again. Let's look. We're, what we're going to do today is we're going to read verses 8 
through 15. And as we read verses 8 through 15, I would encourage you and really beg you, please notice the overall context and the picture here and what it is that our Lord is wanting us to see and so that he can put our feet in it and we can have the experience of what he's trying to show us. You, you, you have to understand God is, is, is called us to be teachers and preachers of uh, his word so that his people could experience Christianity, experience Christ, experience the, the Word of God literally as the lamp to their feet and the light to their path every step they take, every moment of the day that which they could be striving for experience. We do not preach experience for salvation, but what we do do is we teach the Word of God and preach the Word of God and warn of things that are twisted words that God has spoken. We warn against that. But what we do is we, we teach the experience of salvation. We, we don't experience things to become saved. We, we, I mean, the born again experience was that, but, but it wasn't anything we did. It was what we believed. And so we have to learn in the same process that we now have been saved as Christians, but now we want to experience this salvation. And that's exactly what it is. Every time there's a move of God, every time there's uh, the fruit of the Lord in our lives, it's the experience of our Lord as he is our great salvation. He is our salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. Peter also wrote 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, that we are kept, God's people are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved. That means we're being made conformable unto that which saved us, which was the death of Jesus, Philippians 3.10. And we will one day step into the ultimate completion of of our salvation, which will be the glorification, the glorified state of who we are in Christ. It's coming very soon. But as we read through these verses, and I'm just going to read through them, then we'll go back and we'll, and, and we'll just see what the Lord will show us in these verses today. But this is going to be a very, very enlightening study today. And, and the message of the cross, the focus of Calvary, is what allows us to see what the Lord will show us today. But not just to see it, our faith in the sacrifice of Christ is what will allow him to put our feet in this and our experience be that of the inherited, the, the experience of the inherited blessing when we not only see this, but we find our feet walking in this. Let's read it today. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brothers. Be tenderhearted, what pitiful means. Be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or reviling for reviling, which is what railing means, but contrary-wise blessing. 
knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile, and that means deceit. Let him eschew, meaning turn away from, evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue, pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are upon are open, rather, unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, meaning threats, neither be troubled. But sanctify, set apart, the Lord in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer, meaning a defense. That's what it means. To every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, meaning reverential awe, meaning that of which you value to the utmost. So we'll stop there, and I wanted to read this morning all these verses because they all tie to this one subject. He has just dealt with wives, dealing with husbands, backslidden, lost, trying to get them saved or repented and back to obedience to the Word of God. Then husbands he's dealt with, uh, showing us that we better treat our wives as co-equal heirs of grace or our prayers as righteous Men will be hindered. Peter knew everything about, he, not everything, but he knew well about that because he had experience after experience. And, and I always mention Galatians 2. And if you're listening to me for the first time, you need to always go back and look at Galatians 2. For there, Peter, who was righteous, but who in a moment's time stopped bearing the fruit of him being righteous and had to be rebuked and brought back to the place of the focus, not of anything other than that he was justified, not by the works of the law, but by the faith of the Son of God. That's what the rebuke was. And so we need need to know these things. But we want to start in verse 8 today and, and, and... We want to see these things, how they're all tied together. Not because we tie them together, but because they're all tied together by the Holy Spirit. If there's only one body of Christ, then he expects to see only (coughs) one mind functioning in his body. Now, this is, doesn't mean, like some have taken it, that we're to all just uh, get everybody on, on our page and we're to type up curriculum and send it out all over the world and just get people to follow our curriculum. Well, uh, that's okay as long as our curriculum is that one mind that God has his intention on us experiencing. That one mind. It's not a denominational set of rules or beliefs. It is Bible belief. It is not selective Bible beliefs. It is 
Bible believed in the context of the one who said the volume of the book is written of him. The one who is the beginning and the end, the one who all things consist of, all about Jesus. And that's, listen, we're going to see some things today that's going to help you, especially those of you who the Lord has already been able to get up and get out of all this confusion and chaos where everybody is on a different page, everybody is of a different mindset, a different view. That is not God's will, and we'll see that today. Watch this now. Finally, be all... Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brothers love, be pitiful, meaning tender-hearted, and be courteous. Now let me say this, being all of one mind, the way we do that is not having compassion one of another and loving his brother and be tender-hearted and be courteous. No, you got to understand what the one mindset is or we will never be able to have compassion one of another. Love his brother, be tender-hearted, be courteous. If you think that, that I'll just try to start loving you so I can be of one mind. No, the one mind has to come first. The one mind has to come first because what is experienced in us all being of one mind, that one object of faith that allows us to be of one mind, then that, my friend, brings forth the compassion we can have for one another, the love we can have together as brothers that Jesus said the world will recognize and say that we're the disciples of Christ. They're not doing that now. They're not doing that now because the body of Christ has many minds. Not really, but we function that way. Because the, the object of our faith, although it was the same for all born-again children, it is various and different now. And if the, the, it, listen, let me say this. The object of your faith, if it's different than the cross of Christ, then you'll teach the word, preach the word. Even your warning will be somewhat right, but not really all the way right. That means it's deceitful. That means it's deceitful. Deceitful is something that is almost right, but it's still all the way wrong. You got to get that. If it's not truth, then it's all the way wrong. So let's say this again in verse 8. So we will finally recognize if we're going to be all of one mind, we've got to have one object of faith. And this teaching here in these uh, few, few Bible verses here, it's going to take uh, two or three sessions for us to see more than likely what the Lord wants us to see here. Because let me say this, unless you put your feet in it, you've not seen it properly. When you see by faith, then you will walk by faith in the word that you're seeing and hearing properly. Hallelujah. And sometimes, many times, that causes things to have to change in our lives. Those we sit with week after week in worship services, that will have to change. Those we listen to, we'll find out that will have to change. 
we're not hearing that which allows us to all be of the same mind. We must hear that which allows us to be of the same mind. We must be pointed constantly to that which allows us to be of the same mind. And it doesn't say we have to all be in the same place in the Word of God, but that object of faith must be one because that one object of faith allows our minds to all be one, one mind, one mind. No matter where we're at in the Bible, we all we all join around the sacrifice. Hallelujah. It don't matter where we're at in the Word as long as we're gathered around the sacrifice. Hallelujah. If we're not gathered around the sacrifice, we're not even handling the Word properly. Properly. You need to understand that. Watch this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And I love the Word of God. I love it how it leaves nothing for guesswork. It leaves nothing for us to say, well, God's doing this over here, but he's do- he might be doing that over there, but he's doing No, no, no. God can function by his spirit and do this over here and that over there, but it's going to always be because of the word of God and our faith being found in the word of God through the object not being the words necessarily concerning the topics, but the cross of Christ. That's, that's what allows us to be of one mind. That's what allows us to be of one mind. And I have to always bring this up. As Moses declared in Exodus 24 verse 8, I've been saying it again a lot lately, and I know why the Lord has me saying it for you and for me. When they took the, they read the entirety of the law in that 24th chapter of Exodus. They read the law, and after the law, the words of the law were read to the people. They took blood and they sprinkled it on the word, on the people, and on the altar. And it's mentioned again in Hebrews to let us know the fullness of what really happened there. And Moses declared. Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made for you, given for you, concerning all these words. That is so important because that, my friend, lets us know that if the word we're reading and claiming we're trusting in, if if it's not dipped in the blood through faith, our faith from our heart in the sacrifice of Christ, we're just gaining nothing but head knowledge. We're just listening to people read the Bible to us and we cannot all be on the same page. We cannot all be of one mind. We cannot all be inheriting the blessing that's found by being of one mind. And it doesn't mean one mind in your denominational beliefs. One mind, as long as they're together in one mind there, there's a blessing. No, this is one body, one mind. One body, one mind. You say, well, that's just going to be impossible. No, it's not. Not if we all come back to the cross. When Moses came down that mountain in Exodus 32 and said, who's on the Lord's side? They didn't all come back to the place where they could be of one mind again. Only a few people of the tribe of Levi came out from among all those people of Israel. 
And that place they came out from was chaos and Babel and confusion like nobody's business. But they came out to the pl- back to the place where they could be of one mind. Where is that? Faith in what brought them out of Egypt, not the gods they built with their hands, the, the gods of gold and silver. Come on now. God's calling his people back to Calvary. God's calling his people back to their first love. You you don't have to come. He's knocking on the door of the church's heart trying to get them to recognize they're not really supping with him in all their this and all their that unless we're gathered around the sacrifice, learning the word of God in the avenue of the sacrifice, then we're not of one mind and we cannot be of one mind. Mind, and let me tell you, when God gets you back to the place where it is His mind, it's His body, it's His mind, the mind of Christ, we'll see it in the Word today, then you're those that don't come back to this place of being in the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace and are found endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit, which cannot happen outside of being of one mind, they're going to throw rocks at you. They're going to throw accusations accusations at you. And listen, the longer you walk in this place of being one mind with others who are of this one mind that we're going to look at today in the Word and see what this one mind is, because it is something, The longer you stay there, the less and less the crowds are going to be around you. Look at Jesus. The closer he got to Calvary, the less people that were there. The more Paul the apostle determined to know nothing other than Christ and him crucified, at the end of his life, the writing of the last letter he would write to Timothy, he said, Timothy, you know all those in Asia have forsaken me. Why do I say this all the time? Because until you learn to accept it, until you learn to surrender to the truth of Calvary, you'll never be of one mind. So let's look at what this one mind is. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you. We're told in the Bible, we're told in the Bible, hallelujah. See, we don't have to, and let me say this again, God doesn't leave it for guesswork. We, we, we want our own thing. That's selfish pride. We want our own thing. That's selfish pride. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The life is found in the blood. There is no moving and operation of the Spirit of God outside that new covenant law of the Spirit, Romans 8 and 2. Everything God does, He does in Christ. Come on, somebody. Everything God does, He does in Christ. Look at the very first words in your Bible. In the beginning. Who is the one that said, I am the beginning? Think about the first experience of the word in your Bible. In the beginning, in Christ, God created. Uh, Think about that. And John goes on to confirm that 
being a truth by saying, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then verse 14 of that first chapter of John, it says, the Word became flesh. And verse 3 there in John 1 says, everything was created by Him. And there's nothing that was created that was not created by Him. Who? God, who is the Word of God. Who is that? The one who is the beginning. Genesis 1, in the beginning, in Christ. Revelation, about three times we're told in the book of Revelations, Jesus declaring of himself, I am the beginning. Hallelujah. In the beginning, in Christ, God created heaven and earth. You need to, you need to think about that. Whatever God's doing, he's doing in Christ. Outside of Christ, yes, Everything is serving his purpose, even Satan himself, all the devils, the fallen angels, the, the blades of grass, the clouds, the sun, everything is serving God's purpose. But there's only one avenue in which God is found working in and through a people, and that's those that are gathered around the sacrifice who are found with this one mind. This one mind. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And people who disagree with this, they get mad at this and say, that y'all just preach Sennara. Listen, Moses come down that mountain and he said, who's on the Lord's side? You're talking about some mad folks. Don't you know they stand over there, uh, what, a couple of million maybe, say, we all on the Lord's side. We all the Lord's people. It's just like the saying today. It's only those who fear God and have a broken heart over their sinful way that's going to be able to be going to be able to hear God calling them recognizing that hand that's knocking on the door of the church is a nail scarred hand there will be some that repent. We're living proof of that. God reached out and brought us out of the, the, the every wind of doctrine that, that came blowing through town. We jumped on everything that came through town, my friend. We jumped on it all. And listen, a lot of people have just added the, the theology of the cross to their whole bandwagon of false winds of doctrine. Listen, you've got to come back to Calvary and let everything else be burnt up and gone. If you're going to walk in this place where the inherited experiential blessing for the church now on this journey is, and it's, it's in being of one mind. Let's look at this in Philippians. We'll try it again. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind, why don't you just go ahead and say this mind right where you are. Go ahead, there you go. This mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, boy. Here we have the confirmation of what we'll read later in 1 Corinthians 2.16 about we have the mind of Christ. The question is, will we function in it? Will we walk in it? Amen. Let this mind, verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you. This mindset. This way of thinking. And remember, the way we live is based on the way we think. And the way we think is based on what we're believing. Let me say that again. I've told our people this for years, but it's time you heard it today. 
We live the way we live based on what we think, how we think. And what we think and how we think is based on what we're hearing and believing. We live because the way we think, we think the way we do because the way we believe, what we're believing. You need to remember that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That means we as the body of Christ have been given the mind of Christ, and it's only one. It's not so everybody can be on a different page. It's one mind, one body, one Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory be to God. Watch now. Who, here it is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This mind, what mind? Who be, the one who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. There you go. There you go. We struggle with it. We do more than struggle with it. We're overcome by this many times. And it's such a deceitful thing. Most who are doing it don't even know they're doing it. And really, Satan is such a deceitful disguiser and our flesh and the sin nature deceives us that when we're doing it, we have no idea we're doing it. Some of the people who think they're experiencing some of the greatest experiences of humility are some of the most deceitfully deceived people on the planet. How do I know this? Who, are, who am I? I'm not accusing anybody, but I'm saying it's real because I've been there. The only thing that removes deceit and deception of self is the cross. And not just because it saved me some 40 years ago. Jesus taught a denial of self and a taking up of our cross daily. Our cross is our faith in his cross. That's our cross is to take up our cross, is to have faith in his cross. Amen. It's not all your hardships. If you think your cross is just your, your, your divorce or your diagnosis of some uh, sickness or your uh, loss of a... Uh, listen, those are just things God says hard... He says endure hard, those hard places, those hard things, as a good soldier. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the captain of our army, captain of his army, and we look at him to learn how we can endure hardness as a good soldier. Well, how is that? Just like he did. Because we got the same mind he has. Watch. But Verse 7, But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This Bible verse right here lets us know why it is that God tells us we're being made conformable unto the death of Jesus. Because it was there that God saw the perfection of a humble and obedient man trusting in him, completely given over and committed unto him and his judgment of righteousness. Peter even wrote about that. 
Jesus didn't revile back. He didn't threaten back. What he did, the Bible, Peter wrote, that he trusted, committed himself to the one who judges righteously. And see, there is no committing our hearts to the one who judges righteously unless our faith is in the one and what he did at the cross. Because his whole life was, was, was acts of, of just what he was doing on the cross. But on the cross, my friends, he opened the door so that that mind he had lived by, even unto death, could be offered to you. And not just to you, but by, to every person that becomes a believer in Christ and his sacrifice. So therefore, when we try to move on from the cross and we allow all these other objects of faith to come into our churches, into our hearts, then we cannot be on the same page, so to speak. We cannot be of one mind when you're telling me that the purpose-driven life worked for you to deliver you. I can show you in the Scriptures how that is a lie and that is the sin nature deceiving you. And if you don't want to believe that, you and I cannot be of one mind. The one mind is the mind of Christ who knew that the cross was the answer for everything that God would be able to offer men through His sacrifice. That's the one mind. Not through your 40 days of purpose. Not through your 30 days of this. Not through uh, your doing anything, but the simplicity of Christ and what He did. If that's not what your mind if that's not where your mind is found while you're studying the Word, while preacher, you're preaching the Word, teaching the Word. My friend, if we're not presenting that which allows the people to have this one unified mind of Christ in experience, uh, then we are presenting the Word without that one common denominator, the Word without that one object of faith which sends everybody home to have to do with it what they will instead of what the Holy Spirit will. And you might say, well, you know, that's up to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does put on the table what needs to be on the table, but He always brings forth, behold the Lamb, behold the blood, that the Lord has shed for you on Calvary's cross concerning all these words. Outside of that, my friend, we're going to hold the Word of God deceitfully. And we're going to be a part of the contamination and the division in the body of Christ. And we're going to be pointing and accusing those who are being determined to know nothing else other than what allows the inherited blessing of being of one mind to be experienced. We're going to be lamb-blasted for being the ones who are causing division when we say that they're not preaching in this house because what they're offering... What they're putting on the table is contaminating the experience of the inherited blessing of the experience of being of one mind.
one mind. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So let's go on and look at now Philippians, but back up a chapter in verse, in chapter 1 in verse 27 of Philippians. Here we read, only let your conversation, that means your conduct and your words. It does mean conversation, but it means your conduct. And we all know that Jesus taught Matthew 12, 34, that it's out of the abundance of the heart, and that's where the conduct's going on that God's looking at. Come on, somebody. The conduct of the heart is the conduct God's looking at, and out of that conduct, out of the abundance of the heart, where the real conduct is going on, the mouth speaks. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the, oh my goodness, the gospel of Christ. The God, let your conversation, only let your converse, only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. And your, your conduct, your conversation can't be becoming something you're not talking about, something you're not looking at, something you're not hearing, something you're not focused on, something you're not reaching for. Watch now. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast, hold on, get your pencil out, that you stand fast, unmovable from this place of being in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. There it is. There it is. There it is. People who just don't fear God, they'll never get it. You can't explain it to them. You can't give it to them. You can't, I can't make anybody see it. Jesus called dead men out of graves. And people said, I don't care what he does. I'm not surrendering to him. And that's the way it is today. It's always been that way. Again, Moses comes down the mountain in Exodus 32. And God through him says, who's on the Lord's side? Come out from among them. How many came out? There's 12 tribes there. There's probably at least 2 million people there. And just a part of one tribe came out. <coughs> Do you understand that that part of that one tribe that came out was a part of the tribe of Levi? Levi's name means joined together. Wow. Prophetic, isn't it? And right there... It's where God began to call the Levites, although all of Israel was his people, but right there is where he began to call the Levites his own. Right there is where he determined that he would give the Levites the duties of the temple, that which would portray Christ coming and what he would do like nothing else. That, that right there is when he determined he'd give that one family within the tribe of Levi, the great responsibility and blessing of being the priesthood, that which would be symbolic of Jesus coming and becoming our high priest eternally. Although it would be a, a priesthood that even surpassed Aaron's, it would be a priesthood that would 
had had already been seen Melchizedek, and we're not going to get into the depths of that today, but it represented Christ. Everything about Aaron's priesthood represented Christ. My point is, not everybody today is going to come back to Calvary. Not everybody in the church is going to awaken unto righteousness. Not everybody who claims to be the church is even really the church. And there are tares among the wheat like never before today. And there are false teachers among the true teachers of God like never before today. But there are those who are going to be determined to experience this place of this inherited blessing on this journey of being of one mind. And that's those that gather around the sacrifice of Christ and learn to be determined. I said learn to be determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. Learn. We don't, we don't have everything. Listen, we've not arrived. We've not attained. But we are learning to strive together. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. Let's read that again. Philippians 1, 27 is so important. Only, exclusively. Mm. Oh, I just feel the Lord this morning. He's confirming to some of you, yes. This is His exclusive avenue through which He works the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 2. Only, exclusively, let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. That whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I told you I'd share the scripture with you, so here it comes, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Speaking of us now having been given the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Now, how often our faith is literally, deliberately, and consciously placed in the sacrifice, the death of Jesus... That's how often it's going to function. Or we're going to function with the mind of Christ. I hear preachers all my life saying, I just need the mind of the Lord. You better run to Calvary, my friend. I just need to find the mind of the Lord for this message. If you run to Calvary, you'll find, you'll find where his mind was always at, even before the foundation of the world. And you'll find the power and the anointing, which the Bible says is the truth for the word God wants you to bring. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord? That means nobody. That he may instruct him. The question is here, one of those questions like, who knows the mind of the Lord? That's like saying, who knows how many steps it would be if you walked to the moon? Nobody. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Whoever knows the mind of the Lord, you, 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 you instruct him then. Instruct him then. Nobody. But we have the mind of Christ. We have. We have. We have been given. 
we have access to the experience of the mind of Christ. But we have to go back and we have to stay with what the Bible says, let this mind be in you. And, you, and listen, you can't say, well, all, this is just one avenue of the mind of Christ. No, no, no. Christ's mind was all wrapped up in the commandment he had to come to this earth and to carry out. John 10, 18, is that it? Let's go over there and just look at it and see. John 10, let's make sure before I say anything. Yes, John chapter 10, verse 18. No man takes my life from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see that? Jesus came to lay down his life and to take it again. And he had the power to do it. Why? Because he had that commandment from the Father. And you might be saying, well, Jesus, everything he did, he did by the commandment of the Father. And I agree with that. But everything he did before the cross was not an open door for you to experience anything. Unless you lived in that day and you were where he was. Oh, I, I need to say that. Oh, my Lord, I need to say that again. Everything Jesus did before the cross was not an open door for you and me today because we weren't there in that day. That's why I've asked our people for years, what did the woman with the issue of blood have to do with you today? She was there then. You're not. To touch Jesus, you've got to touch him through faith in the sacrifice. If your faith is in healing, your faith is not in the right object. Your faith has to be in Christ. The only object of faith there is, and, and listen, Christ crucified. For the, the crucifixion is what opened the door of all that God would offer you through Christ. And then, how the woman with the issue of, the, of blood pertains to you is that what Jesus did for her, he's able to do it for you too. Do you understand that? The only place you can touch God is by your faith from your heart, your deliberate and conscious faith being placed in the sacrifice of Christ. That's the first time that you truly understood who it was you were listening to and what was going on in your life. The first time you saw the Lord was when you saw his son he sent to die in your place. You saw that. You didn't see that in, in some physical way. I'm sure you had a picture of it. We all do. But, that's the, but, but, but that picture of it is different in everybody's mind. But what brings us all into one mind is what he there did. What he there did. You can read the crucifixion of Jesus and everybody's going to have a different picture in their minds about that. If we all draw it, it all look different even though it'd be the same picture. But, but the way our minds function together in one mind and cause the body of Christ to be in experience one body and experience the blessing of that is if our faith is in what he accomplished for us there. That's what saved you. You believed his death accomplished what you needed to be saved. You believed it. But our problem in the church today 
Once we get saved, now we've been told, and I was a part of, of the uh, ignorant, I'll say that, I was a part of the, the deceived and the deceitful, putting on the table what only moves people away from the focus of Calvary. And my friend, that's poison in the pot. I don't care how nice and sweet they are and how well their morals may be. You can't go by that. You have to go by what men are putting on the table. And if whatever they're using in the Word of God does not is not sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, talking about your union with Him in death with Him, then the experience of what you're wanting to see in your life, it's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. You can fight and kick and scream and, and go start your own denomination and, and, that, and, 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 that hap- and that's happened by the droves and that's why the church can't be of one mind unless we come back to the mind of Christ. And we're told, let this mind be in you, which was, was, doesn't say is, it says which was, that means it's pointing to a particular place and time. Get that now. I hope you get that. Let this mind be in you now, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. When people ask me, what denomination are you? I say Christ crucified. I'm no, and, 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 and the church will get mad over that today. Why? Because you're not of their mind. They might not get mad because you're not of their denomination, but they get mad because you're not of that mindset that thinks you've got to be in a denomination. Let me, let me assure you today, the church is so far away from experiencing the inherited blessing of being one in mind that it's shameful. It's shameful. And they'd say, well, you know, this is the way. No, we're told right here in the Bible what it's going to take for us to have the same mind. Same mind. We're not told to have separate minds, separate ways, and separate beliefs. We're told to have one mind, and we can't function as the body. So, So knowing that a little bit more, we see today just how awfully crippled the body of Christ really is. It's crippled. Jesus made himself of no reputation. How many times have we tried to make ourselves reputation? That ain't nothing but acting like the devil because that's what he did. That's what got him kicked out of heaven. Think about that. Have you ever thought about every time we do anything that's not the will of God that we're acting like the devil acts? We blame so much on the devil, but he's not to be blamed for a lot of... He, listen, as a child of God, he's not to be blamed. I'm to be blamed for having my faith in something other, and that, my friend, is what causes me to act like the devil acts. Come on now, somebody. Jesus made himself of no reputation. If you're trying to be somebody other than... Christ and you can't if you're not functioning with his mind. It's not good. It's hurting the body of Christ. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. And I can still act like that now. 
We've not arrived. To, listen, to think that you, just because we know the answer is the cross that we've arrived, that means we would also have to believe that we could be made perfect in this life. And my friend, if you ever start believing that, you're, you're in a massive sinking boatload of trouble. We are not going to be made perfect till we see that perfect one and we meet him when he comes for us. We cannot arrive at a, at a place of complete, full completion and become like him until we see him. That's what the Bible teaches. So just because we know the way is the way of the crucified life, the way of the cross, the way of life, hallelujah, just because we know the way uh, of experiencing the inherited blessing is a being of one mind, this mind, not some other mind, this mind, just because we know it, we know it, doesn't mean we're always going to function in it. Can I get a witness? Because we're still trapped in this old fleshly body and we still uh, get fleshly lusts going on for whatever and whichever and wherever, whatever they might be. You know what I'm talking about. Gossip in tongue, lust in this, lust in that. We, you know what I'm talking about and we know in that moment how to, how? To turn around, but still we find ourselves not turning around every time as quick as we should. Now, I'm just preaching better than your amen in this morning, but you know it's true to the honest heart, and that's what causes our hearts to cry out to God, I want more truth. I want to be more focused. I want this one mind, hallelujah, functioning in me. Watch this. Uh, he did not make himself of any reputation and he took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He became a man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If that's not the mind, I'm not talking about reading it and say I agree with it. If that's not the mindset that we find functioning in our lives, if that's not the mindset that's bringing about the conduct and the conversation of our lives, we have the wrong mindset. If I'm not sitting under and listening to ministers who open the bread of life and, and, and put that on the table, which allows me to see the bread in the light that it brings, which is the blood of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the gospel, hallelujah, the death of Jesus, then we'll all go home on a different page. And I know we're running out of time, but I want to give you an example that I've given many times for those of you who may be new and for those of you who've heard it before, you can be a little more established in it. But Romans chapter 8 tells us that we are those who've been predestined according to the foreknowledge of God who are going to be justified. Those are going to be conformed to the image of of God's Son. But if that's the only verse we read, we all go home on a different page. Because there's a lot of different, even religions, that think they're being conformed into the image of God's Son and will tell you it's Jesus. But listen, 
the student of the Scripture will find that in Philippians, Paul wrote how that we're being conformed to God's Son. By what it is that we're being made conformable through to His Son. Philippians 3.10 says that we're being made conformable unto His Son's death. You're not being made conformable to the resurrection, my friend. That's when you meet Him in the clouds and you become just like Him and then you will have been completely conformed into the image of the Son of God. Completely. You've been given resurrection power to live the crucified life. Present your body a living Sacrifice. If you don't know that means faith in the sacrifice of Christ, not just saying it, not just... that That's where your faith has to deliberately and consciously be. And you know the ministers who have their faith deliberately and consciously placed in the sacrifice of Christ. It's because when they open this book, they see unless they present it in that avenue that they're wasting time and they're, ca- they're the ones causing division. So we're being made conformable to God's Son, but it's because we're being made conformable to God's Son's death. tells us that in Philippians 3 and 10. But now here comes where really the beauty of all this is seen in the Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 tells us that we have to be beholding that glorious image if we're going to be being changed into that image and be able to watch it happening in the, as, it, as, as if though we're looking in a mirror by the Spirit of God taking us from glory to glory. The experience of this One mind, where this one mind functions (laughs) through humility and obedience unto death. Anything else is just a big ball of deceitful flesh. If we're not beholding Christ crucified, then we're not going from glory to glory. And it's not the Spirit of God who's doing what we claim He's doing. You have to be beholding Christ. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 and Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, we're told to look unto Jesus. But we see Jesus. Both those places in the Bible, in those verses, refer to the cross, His death. We're not talking about looking on a wooden beam. We're talking about the way that we're of one mind is that we keep our faith deliberately and consciously in the death of Jesus. That's the place we can be of one mind. That's the place the mind of Christ was when it was offered to us and God stamped His glory on that and said, This is what I will conform every child of mine into. Hallelujah. Let's gather again next Friday morning right here at 9 a.m. and jump right back in where we left off. God's got so much more. 
He's got so much more for those of you who will repent, turn from your wicked ways, acknowledge Him by acknowledging the place He's provided for you to experience this inherited blessing, being of one mind. Hallelujah. With God's people striving together for the faith of the gospel. God bless you. I love you. If the Lord stirs your heart to, to give something to Him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.